Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Our podcast is dedicated to therapists, social workers, counselors, and psychologists working with clients from an attachment-based perspective. Join host Karen Doyle-Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading attachment theory researchers and clinicians in the field. Today, Karen concludes her two-part discussion with psychotherapist and author Kara Hoppe on her new book, Baby Bomb, a relationship survival guide for new parents, which she co-authored with Dr. Stan Tatkin. Hello, everyone. This is Karen Doyle Buckwalter from Chaddock, welcoming you back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. Today, we are going to be continuing our series about the book baby bomb and we are going to be interviewing the second author on the book along with stan tack and actually in reality i think she's the first author and he's the second author anyway we're going to be speaking with kara hoppy i want to tell you a little bit about her she is an ma and an mft a psychotherapist teacher feminist and mother She has spent more than a decade as an inclusive therapist working with individuals and couples towards healing and growing and becoming more grounded, integrated people to better access their own instincts, wisdom, and creativity. Wow, we should all be going to see her. She also offers virtual retreats for parents and expected couples based on the book that she's here to talk with us about today, which is Baby Bomb, a relationship survival guide for new parents. Her work has also been featured in the Atlantic, Parents Magazine, Fatherly, and Your Tango, as well as other publications. She lives with her husband and son in Pioneertown, California, and sees clients in private practice. So you are going to find Kara to just be absolutely wonderful. She is warm. She's engaging. She is interesting. And we are about to have a wonderful conversation. Stay tuned. I will be right back with Kara Hoppy author of Baby Bomb. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I am your host, Karen Doyle Buckwalter, joining you for part two of my interview with Kara Hoppy, who co-authored the book Baby Bomb with Stan Tatkin. The subtitle is A Relationship Survival Guide for New Parents. You know, but I have to say, I feel like there was a lot as I'm I'm reading that subtitle out loud. I think there's a lot in this for any parent. Right? I know. I think so too. I have couples in my practice that are reading my book that don't even plan on having children. Like, let alone... And then I have have couples that are reading it with teenagers and evaluating decisions that they made and changing their mind about them and restructuring their family system. Yes. Yes. So, you know, we were talking last time about how we're not joking. It really is about the relationship between the parents, not, you know, not, it's not a parenting book. I mean, it's something that will impact your parenting positively, but it really is about the relationship and that really sets it apart. Um, I also, and you have lots of practical ideas. We were talking last time you know, about this idea of insider status and and how that can relate to Um, decision-making. 
I want to also get into some of the other ways that you made theoretical concepts from your couples counseling, you know, uh, practical in this scenario of um, two becoming three, the party of two becoming the party of three. I, I thought that that was clever. Uh, uh, thanks. Yeah. And you talk about date night. Re- I called it, I th- you call it, di- I, I have in my notes, date night revisited. You uh-huh. even talked about, you know, different ways of thinking of date night. And I think, oh, this old tired recommendation, you need to have a date night. I tell parents this a lot of times when I work with them, there needs to be some time with you know, just as a couple, but you had some creative ideas about how to make that happen. Um, you want to share some of those? And a little different than the traditional, we're going to go out somewhere. Sure. Well, also like in pandemia world, that's right. really- You can't it. even go you out somewhere. Go out, but, <laughs> but then like also, I mean, like when you have a new baby, resources are diminished at that time. You know, parents are tired. Sleep deprivation is real. And, um, and, you know, different parents have different comfort levels about leaving their child and they have resources available. Some people have family around that they trust and some people don't. And so, you know, I just wanted to meet people where they were at and say that it's important. I, I, I cannot recommend enough that parents be with your partner and forget your parents. And however that manifests, whether it's like out of the home or in the home, like that experience of being with your partner and forgetting we are parents is a positive thing for the family. Yeah. Talking about, you know, there's something in there. I'm looking at my notes where you say remembering to reconnect as the pre-parent you. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, whatever hobbies or interests. Yes. Pre-parenthood, you, you know, like excavating those and sharing them with your partner. Yes. Um, So you talk about a date night in. Right. Yeah. I got that idea. I got that idea from some friends of mine that did that and they are in the book. Like that is really their names. They were, I asked them if it was okay. My friends, KK and Joseph, and they told me, we had our sons right around the same time. And they were said every week they would have date night in. And what it was, was after KK would put their son down to sleep, Joseph would cook, they would hang out in the kitchen and they had this whole ritual about being together as a couple, as lovers and connecting within their own home. They just, they just ritualized the experience once a week to buoy them through this, through their parenthood initiation. Mm-hmm. Um, so they would talk about his dreams, her dreams, um, you know, dreams being like goals and aspirations, their creative lives, you know, what things that they wanted to take on with their careers, different fears that they were having. They developed this very intimate experience weekly together in their own kitchen. And I was so Uh inspired by it. Yeah. And And they realize it doesn't talk about it would just light up. They were just like, oh, yeah, they night in. Like, you could just 
see that vitality in their partnership really shine. Because you don't have to find childcare. You don't have to leave the the baby. You don't even have to have the energy. I mean, sometimes let's face it, it's just so much energy to get up and drive and go somewhere, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. And then you also talked about uh, Esther Perel's suggestion for daytime dates. Yeah, I think those are also really doable for parents if you have, if like, if you have, I mean, usually parents have more energy during the day. Yeah, that like is a bonus for parents, but then also childcare might be easier during the day. Your child might be in um, preschool or daycare or with a nanny. And so it might be easier to steal away for a lunch and hang with your partner during the day than it would be at night. Yes. Yes. And I think it's just kind of thinking a little out of the box and finding ways to do this and being intentional. I think that you were trying to find, you know, ways that really would be doable Mm -hmm. for, for couples. Um, Let's talk about, you know, with everybody into neuroscience and regulation and co-regulation, there is a concept in the book called the co-regulation station. And this is something that doesn't take a lot of time that you recommend for couples. Could you share about that? Sure. You're right. It doesn't take a lot of time. It doesn't take a lot of resources. Um, It takes presence and being with your partner. And so what I suggest in the book um, is that partners put away their smartphones, you know, put away all the distractions, um, maybe turn the baby monitor upside down or something or turn off that whoosh sound, you know, and sit across from each other um, and just face each other, be face-to-face, eye-to-eye, maybe have their knees touching each other, um, sitting on a couch or in two chairs, and just be quiet and gaze into each other's eyes and allow yourself to be seen as the person you are today um, to your partner, and then allow yourself to see your partner, the person they are today, and come into the present moment with them and notice all the different changes on their eyes and their face and their smile and different emotions and just foster that quiet love together, mm-hmm. and that intimacy together and just be for it. Yeah. I mean, a couple of minutes of that is really powerful for couples that have been for any of us. It's just um, a way to maintain a connection, but especially new parents that are short on time and short on resources for connecting. They can simply do this every night after they put their child to bed if they want. Um, Just practice the co-regulation station and just be with each other and see how that feels in their bodies Mm -hmm. to share Mm -hmm. that space with each other. Is that something you ever have couples do in a session with you? Yeah, I was just going to say that's where it started. I mean, like, you know, inevitably every session, I always have my couples stop what they're doing and face each other because I want to help them learn this skill Mm -hmm. that it's never a bad time. No, no discussion can just be paused to help couples, partners become present with each other. Yes. It's never a bad idea. 
So all the time I have the couples in my practice do that. Um, like pause, you know, remember your, your, your friends. Yes. You know, you want to come out of this conversation still being friends to just be with each other, you know, and slow that nervous system down and help them regulate with each other Um, and experience that sense of safety. So then they can just go off again, you know, and do whatever they're going to do internally or externally. Right. Well, I love how you, you talk here, you say, focus on your partner's face as an object of your attention. Notice your partner's eyes, cheeks, lips, nose, be curious. Notice what it feels like to be seen so deeply by your partner. You may feel nervous at first, but that's okay. Just steady yourself with your partner's eyes and relax your muscles whenever tension arises. You know, as I thought about that, I'm a TheraPlay therapist and I thought, wow, we think about that and TheraPlay with a child all the time in terms of co-regulation. And we just don't think of it as much of doing it for each other in our marriage. You do because you're trained in PAC. But I mean, <laughs> I just thought it was just really so nice how you wrote about that and and noticing what's happening in each other's nervous system. Like after this exercise, mm-hmm. was the experience exciting or calming? What did it feel like? Did you learn anything from uh, about yourself or your partner? Have you had any stories come out of this with couples that try this either in your sessions or when you're recommending this for them to do at home? Yeah. I mean, they, it's usually, it's, it's difficult for people, um, to sometimes be seen and see, in our own human awkwardness. Yes. Part of the human condition. We are people sometimes. Yes. So I've heard a lot about what was awkward. It was weird. And I was like, and yes, (laughs) you know, yes, we stopped. Well, see what it's like to tolerate that awkwardness because that Mm -hmm. awkwardness is real intimacy. Right. There's such a vulnerability in it. Much vulnerability in it. Yeah. Being seen and seeing. And then I've also heard a lot of success with, um, I have a couple that agreed upon using it during conflict. And so one of them, they gave each other equal power in saying, let's do the co-regulation station. And so when things would get heated and they felt like they were having a very unproductive conflict, like it just Uh was like, wasn't working. Yeah. One of them would say, let's do this. And they would pause and do it for a short amount of time. I think like two or three minutes, uh-huh. but that would, it would help them remember they were friends. Yes. It also helped to bring them into the moment. Yes. And then they would go back to the conflict and they were telling me so, so much success about now we could actually stop spinning our wheels in the mud. You know, we like had that access to the creativity again of problem solving. Like they got out of like, you know, the um, fight, you know, the primitive part of our brain back into the neocortex. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, Another just getting into some of these um, practical things. Some people think co-regulation is codependency or needing somebody too much. And I think this is such a disservice to some of the information that's been given, particularly to women, 
Mm. You know, that somehow there's something wrong with you. If you, you need help, like co-regulation of your emotions, you're just being a histrionic needy person or whatever, or these books, you know, women who love too much or, or whatever. And so I like that you brought that out in the book that co-regulation is not, I'm not talking about codependency. Could you talk about that a bit here for listeners? Right. I mean, the whole, the whole co-regulation is also based on the idea of like interdependency. Yeah. And so that's for two adults to decide um, themselves that they want equal investment in this relationship. So right then and there, that's different than codependency. Yeah. You have, you have two people that are like responsible for the well-being and the health of the relationship, responsible for taking care of their own needs and helping yes. their partner meet their meet their needs. Um and I do think, but I do think um, like kind of what you were saying, Karen, about women being labeled like histrionic. I mean, that feels like a little bit like misogyny to yes. me, like not being able to take up space and be needy. And I think it's important to acknowledge birthing people are very needy after they give birth. Our bodies are healing have gone through some a birth event could be traumatic could be not traumatic but either way there could be birth injury happening either way we're at a very vulnerable place in our lives and so being allowing ourselves to be cared for by our partners is essential to the health of the partnership Mm-hmm. Um, so important what you're saying. Well, I mean, it's like, I mean, that is, I mean, that is like early motherhood. And it's really hard for a lot of um, birthing people. I'm going to be like inclusive in my language, birthing people because we're so taught to always take care of ourselves. And yet here you are after having a baby, unable to take care of yourself. I talk about in the book, like one of the first times it hit me was I couldn't even get my own glass of water when Jude was first born. I couldn't get off the couch and go get my own glass of water. And I asked my husband for help. And that was a dizzying vulnerability for me. Yes. And it kind of takes us back to, and then it kind of like dovetails into attachment theory. However, our needs were treated when we were children. Were we allowed to be very needy? Mm-hmm. Were we met by like with loving kindness and our neediness? Depending on that, people are also going to have a different reaction to um, how they feel with their own needs and their own vulnerabilities in early parenthood. Um, and then, and then non-birthing partners are vulnerable too. not physically in the same way as birthing people are vulnerable, but they're incredibly vulnerable learning how to be a parent. Nobody knows how to do it until you're doing it Mm -hmm. and you're making mistakes all the time and being witnessed in that. And so we need, you know, we need each other, um, to see each other, to affirm each other's experience, to build confidence in each other. I mean, it's a, like a really ripe invitation for for intimacy, but it's at the same time, paradoxically, like really set up for there can be a lot of judgment or criticism or not helping out each other, being like, you should do that yourself or like being like, I'm going to take care of this all myself. I mean, it's like a primed moment for the relationship to go either way. 
um, or both ways back and forth too. Let's be real. Yeah. What I'm thinking about with what you're saying is in the United States, the message is communicated, get over this birthing thing as fast as you can and get back to work. Like we don't have generous leave policies like some countries. We don't have paid leave many times. Even if you have the leave, it's unpaid. And I think there's this pressure to like, almost like it's like a badge of honor to just be fine afterwards and, and get back to work as quick as you can and all of that. And doesn't allow the time that you're talking about. Right. Like, yeah, certainly not. And that is like, I mean, that just speaks to like the individualistic culture that we live in that just expects, you know, pull yourself up from your bootstraps. You gave birth, you know, like, um, so what? And I mean, that's like a systemic thing, but then where we can change it, I mean, we can always be better activists and be involved in like trying to change policies, but then also like with couples to understand like this tender time for birthing Uh people Uh and really meet them where they're at and not think that the neediness, the physical, emotional neediness is, um, it's an honor to be there. For birthing people after they give birth. And it's something also with couples, when you have, when I have couples that know how to do that for each other, that are like, at, like one partner asking about the birth event, how are you doing physically? How are you doing yes. emotionally since that? I mean, that is going to breed a lot of trust and intimacy for more interdependence. Because mm-hmm. obviously at that point, it's like a birthing person needs a lot of care. But at some point in the long, long-term long partnership is a long time. At some time, a non-birthing person is going yes. to need care for an entirely other reason. Yes. You know? yes. And you can build that into your relationship. Like we're allowed to be as needy as we need to be. Mm. And we're aware of it. And we're constantly like, um, you know, meeting each other and taking responsibility for our neediness, you know, and really fighting that idea that you should feel guilty because you're needy right now or need care. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. you should be able to do this on your own. That's not good for, um, for couples or for anyone really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's probably not something you want to model for your child either. You want your child to know it's okay to be as needy as you want. Right. Right. It's okay to, to need help, to need support, to be vulnerable and have someone there to help. So, you know, as we're winding down here, what, what is your vision, your hope for this book? You know, you started out in the beginning saying, you know, after you had a child, you were like, wow, this is, this book is needed. Like a lot of things are like, synapses are firing in my head about this whole thing <laughs> totally. you know so what what is your vision and your hope for the book um well I would like it to reach as many people who want it or need it I want to I mean I wrote it to help people I wrote it yes. because it's the book that Charlie and I needed when we became parents we still revisit the book and we still practice the 10 principles on the daily and we're constantly um learning how to be better partners for each other um, so we can best support like our family. 
Um, so I'd like it to reach as many people as it resonates with. And, and then I'm also teaching the book for expecting couples and parents, um, walking them through, um, five of the guiding principles and helping them and doing experiential exercises like the co-regulation station yes, and practicing insiders and outsiders, um, and also talking about sex after baby and how that transforms. Yes. Um, I really also, I want to normalize for anybody who is a parent who's struggling in your partnership. It's to be expected. You just went through a huge transformational experience and so did your partner and you're different people than you were the people before. And that's okay. I mean, and that's what happens. And you can change your relationship. You can, like one thing you can take away from this, um, you can talk to your partner today about wanting to be, to change your partnership if you're struggling. Say, I, I would like this to be different. What do you think would be good for us or something? Yeah, yeah, so good. It's almost Thank like there, there should be a pre-baby workbook for couples or something where they could, you know, do some of this. Um, do you, you think that that would work? Because I feel like I feel like expecting you just can't get past the birth. I don't I know. know. I know. Well, I was, or, you know, what you, one of the things that you you bring up in the book is. And, and we've talked about this also that there aren't a lot of books like this. Like, you know, I, I just recently, it's an oldie, but a goodie, but what to expect when you're expecting, you know, and I know there's apps and everything for that now, but I, I just thought that was a fun book when I was pregnant and um, it said revised new version for dads, you know, things about dads. I was like, well, you know, that, that really doesn't sound, you know, that is, <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, but still, that's not even about the couple. That's mm-hmm. about fatherhood. So, mm-hmm. you know, like you mentioned in the book that there aren't a lot of books like that. And I, it's probably true um, that it's just too overwhelming at that time to be thinking about this. Honestly, I, I don't know. I don't I think about this a lot because I just. I have a friend, Kimberly Johnson, who wrote the book, The Fourth Trimester, and her book would be really great for pregnant people to read. But her and I were talking about at that stage, you know, I don't, there's like some psychological jumps. And maybe you remember this from your own pregnancy or like expecting journey where you just don't think not me. That won't happen to me. Yeah. Or I'll be fine. Yes. Or like, you yes. know, like yes. it's just, I think I you're. Don't know. I think you're a hundred percent correct. I think you're a hundred percent correct. It's just, it's similar in terms of my clinical practice of people adopting. Uh-huh. not really ready to hear some of the unique no. about that or challenges that could happen. It's like, oh, no, no, we'll just love them. It'll be great. <laughs> you know, so yeah, yeah. Well, you know, thank you so, so much for your time today. I want everybody to think about this book. I think it would be, you know, it could be a great gift for after baby comes, you know. Or the baby shower, but buy two because both partners should have their own copy so they can read it themselves and get on the same page this book was written inclusively for both partners this is not just another thing to go on mom's to-do list that is right marriage yeah no 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 perfect two people 
That is really good. I love that you're emphasizing that. Um, and thanks so much. I, I know it's on Amazon and other places. Would you like to share anything further about your own work or your website? Or, you know, is there anything you want to advertise about what you're doing? Feel free to do that. <laughs> um, I'm having a ball um, writing and writing a lot lately. And I'm thrilled about these couple retreats that I'm teaching. They're online. Um, so when you're in the, and there are Saturday mornings. So if you're in um, the throes of early parenthood, or if you're expecting, just find me at carahoppy.com. It's full for this year, but next year we'll have more retreats um, being offered. Well, wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Karen. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, tkcchaddock.org, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean for future podcasts. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please log on to tkcchaddock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.